Alan is typing, not concentrating on what we should be doing. Well, you're not concentrating because you're reading what I'm typing. (laughs) (laughs) Good point, well made. User error 67. I'm Joe. I'm Alan. And I'm Dan. And we're back with bad news, I'm afraid. Don't worry, the show's not ending. It's just the forum. So, Popey, you set this up and it just hasn't really taken off. I blame myself as much as anything else. I should have kind of spent more time there. But, uh, yeah, because, you know, activity begets activity on forums. And, I don't know, it just hasn't really worked out, has it? No, it's fine. It, it, didn't, it didn't need to necessarily grow, but it didn't. So, we'll shut it down. Yeah, so use Twitter instead, I think, is the best, or just the contact page generally, which is at error.show slash contact. Um, Twitter is um, at usereroshow. That's kind of the best, or use the hashtag askerror or whatever. There's plenty of ways to get in touch with us. But, uh, yeah, the forum will be going away shortly. I don't know exactly when. Maybe uh, early next week or something. So this is going to be a hashtag askerror special because we've got a bunch of cool questions Uh, So let's start with the first one. How do you manage apps on your smartphone? So do you install stuff and leave it, or do you try it and remove it immediately? Do you have a bunch of apps that you never use, or is it really nice and slimmed down? Dan, how do you deal with it? I have a super weird kind of anal retentive thing where I don't want any icons on the bottom row between the dock and the set of icons, so that's how I limit myself. I have to have things in folders, and folders are dumb if they only have two things in them. So I have to have like logical groups of things, and then it really makes no sense whatsoever. But it makes me delete apps, so that's how I do it. So you don't hoard apps, then? Is the bottom line? No, I got to get rid of them. I can't stand having a bu- and I have a bunch of I have like every airline app ever, which is annoying. But it makes me so I can get the mobile boarding pass easier. But I've just got those stuffed in a folder somewhere. But other than that, I do I do my best to delete stuff I'm not using. My home screen is a mass of groups, and in those groups are many many icons. I started counting. I lost count after about 150 apps. So I think I've got somewhere in the region of 200 apps on my phone, and there are 25 groups on the home page of my phone, and then there's the the second screen on the right-hand side, which is the abyss of apps that I never actually use, uh, which is kind of like a staging area for when they should go away. Um, but I have tons and tons of apps. The basic criteria is if I had to sign up to something to use the app, it probably stays. But if it was just an app that you open and try something and then close it, then I, I feel happier about just throwing it away. But for some reason, if I've had to sign up for a service, I feel like I have to keep the app on my phone to remind me that if I'm going to get rid of that app, I probably need to delete my account as well on that service, which means I never do it. So I end up with 200 plus apps on my phone. I'm somewhere in the middle, really. I try and delete them if I'm not using them, but I just find sometimes, like, why is that still installed? And then uninstall it. Like SkyMap, I haven't used that for, I can't remember how long. Um, but I generally try to install as few apps as possible. So if I can just use um, a web app or a website, then I'll just try and do that first. But then if it gets really annoying, then I'll install the app for it. But everything wants you to install an app these days, which is just so annoying. Like, and how many times do I say to Reddit, no, fuck off, I'm not installing your app. I'll just proceed to the website or whatever. 
That's one of my most uh, most used apps, actually, is not the official Reddit app, but the Reddit is fun app, which is way better than the official Reddit app and gives you a more compact view. Uh, so that's one where I, I would use the app over the website. I, I actually like the Reddit app. I know everybody hates it. Nice. It takes up too much room on the screen. You can't fit many topics on screen at once. I try and stay off Reddit as much as possible, so I am definitely not installing the app. <laughs> Unfortunately, the Reddit app is in a folder on my home screen called Time Wasting, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> al- along with SkyMap, Flight Radar 24, Imgur, ISS Detector, uh, Right Move, when I want to browse and snoop on my neighbor's houses for sale, uh, and Survival Manual which I think I've mentioned before on the show, which is like, <laughs> if I ever want to know how to light a fire or build a jet engine, it's all in that manual. Wow. Right, a bit of a Linuxy one now. Why is an app image part of the larger universal packaging discussion? Hmm. Uh, I get the feeling you might have some opinions on this, Pope, because <laughs> you're a snap man. And Dan, you've recently incorporated flat packs into elementary os so yeah why not app image eh? depends who you talk to like if you are an individual and you go surfing around some git repos often you will find a contribution from we should we often colloquially call him the app image guy who is pro bono <laughs> on twitter i think simon is his actual name um but he's a shadowy figure that works in AppImage. Uh, and he's really prolific in contributing to projects in order to get them to um, make app images of their applications. So, you know, if you're a user browsing around or you're a developer looking for how would I package my application for Linux, you could be forgiven for thinking AppImage is super popular because if you look in lots of repos, you'll find contributions that make app images out of projects. So I, th- I think it's a tricky question because it really depends on perspective. I'm not going to be that generous. <laughs> I'm coming from perspective of someone who is in charge of making technical decisions on a, as a platform, and also from the perspective of someone who really considered app image as the way that we might want developers to distribute their applications. And we looked into app image a very long time ago, and we came across a few problems. And um, the biggest problem with app image is it has no package manager. So the way that you get app images is you download them from the internet. And this is a huge step backwards in the way that users expect to get applications, especially users who are already coming from a package manager background like Linux users, but also anybody who's coming from any modern operating system where they expect the applications are in some kind of app store. And in order to have an app store, you have to have a package manager. Uh, Technically speaking, if you use a package manager, you're downloading them from the internet. I think what you mean is downloading them from the web. Whatever. (laughs) Someone would have tweeted us about that if I didn't say it. So the other perspective to look at it from is from the point of view of a developer where you're looking at the the different type of packaging formats and comparing them. And actually, if you side by side put the various packaging formats together, the app image guys have a compelling argument of you just download this file and you run it. Okay, it's very simple. It's very easy. But they're missing a whole load of functionality like... Some would argue having a central store is a bad idea, but in our experience, having a central store is great for discovery, and it means a developer has one place to upload their file, and from a user point of view, it means they don't have to go around hunting down 
like PPA style random repositories that have software in. And it, it's, it's amusing to us that we came up with the idea of having a central app store for snaps and we were poo-pooed by the app image guys and poo-pooed by the Flatpak guys who said, no, 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 there doesn't need to be a central store. Everyone can just add these repos or download these files. And now there's FlatHub and there's App Image Hub. So they've changed their tune and realized that actually you do need a central place to download your software. That's what users, as Dan said, users have that expectation. But there's there's so many other features and I, I don't want to rattle them all off because I, it sounds like a massive sales pitch for snaps but there's a ton of stuff that app image doesn't have that the others do both Flatpak and snaps do i think the other huge argument is that modern packaging formats like snap and Flatpak are looking at sandboxing and security and containerization and preventing apps from leaking into the system and it doesn't seem like this is a concern of app image so it has all the drawbacks of being a kind of container format of like you have all the stuff in one package, right? But it has none of the benefits of like now that this thing is isolated from the environment, we have all these security benefits. Well, so you end up downloading all the dependencies and stuff that you need as part of it. So the downloads are huge and so you get that downside, but you don't get the upside of containment. Yeah, and I guess, you know, the app image guys would say, well, you don't have to do it that way. You could still install all the dependencies from your package manager, but the app image doesn't like communicate with the package manager in any way. So you don't really get any benefits there. And both Snap and Flatpak have solved this problem of having shared dependencies and also having a containerized packaging format. To return to the original question as to why app image isn't part of the larger discussion, isn't that because you've got a reasonably big company in, in the form of Canonical behind Snaps and Red Hat pushing Flatpak, who is a huge company, whereas AppImage is more of a kind of community effort. There's certainly a part of that, and that swings both ways. Like you've got um, Canonical behind uh, Snaps, which means some people absolutely don't like it because it's Canonical. Um, but the flip side is Canonical hires people hello, uh, to advocate for snaps to developers and to understand developers' needs and feed that back to our developers so that we can improve the product, right? AppImage has a few people. I don't know exactly how many shadowy figures because they have, but it's a few. It's like three or four people I see talking uh, a lot in their IRC, and I've bumped into a couple of them at events. Um, and, you know, they're, they're just taking a different approach, right? But they are very much a grassroots project, but they've been around for a very long time. And so what does it say that AppImage has been around for so long and has a few people advocating for it, but it hasn't taken off? It can't just be that Canonical has thrown a ton of money at it. And some would argue it's not Red Hat that have thrown money at, at Flatpak, but there's also other companies like Endless, for example, who have put a lot of weight behind Flatpak as well, and other other uh, companies and projects as well. So if that's the case, why hasn't AppImage taken off? If it's that good, why didn't it take off? AppImage has been around, I think, longer than elementary OS has been around. And to the point about community, sure, you could say that, you know, Alex is a Red Hat employee and he works on Flatpak. But uh, elementary didn't go with Flatpak because it was a Red Hat product. We went with Flatpak because that's what our community decided they were interested in. And Flathub is a community project, not a Red Hat project. And like Alan said, there are other companies that are backing Flatpak. So I don't think it really 
is such a thing of who's backing it, but that it's just not as technically compelling. I think the other the other part, which is the elephant in the room, is uh, Simon's style, pro bono, his style is very adversarial, and that can put developers off. And we've spoken to developers in significant companies that you have heard of who have said the reason they don't use AppImage is because Simon was too abrasive. And if he is both the developer of the project and their core developer advocate, then that's not helping your project. It's like having Richard Stallman as the, as the, the front man for your project. Like he might be right, but you wouldn't put him in a sales meeting with people. I would just for the laws. <laughs> so Joe, here's the part where you tell us you use exclusively app images. Well, no, here's the part where I tell you that flat packs never seem to work and every app image I've ever downloaded has worked perfectly. I've got one app image installed on my system. And one of the things I don't like about it is upgrades are a one-way thing. If you want to downgrade, they've integrated automatic updates. That's another thing that we were told by the app image guys is nobody wants automatic update. If someone wants an update, they can go and get it from the website, which is bullshit because users want the latest and greatest software. They don't want to have to go and hunt down some file on a random website and run setup.exe. Like that's the past. You want, you want the latest, freshest stuff every time you, you start work in the morning. Um, and now the app image guys have added uh, automatic update feature to to app image but it it only goes one way you can't roll back like you can with snap so if if i get a new version of something and it doesn't work i can just do snap revert vlc and it'll go back to the previous version with app image you have to go and hunt down the old app image if you can even find it because some developers will just replace the version on the website with the new version and so that's gone you can't go backwards uh, so there are certainly some technical uh, points that Flatpak and Snap have that AppImage doesn't. But I think a more serious problem is the approach that they have for uh, being quite heavy-handed when they approach developers. One of the things that we always try not to do is to shit on the competition. Like whenever whenever someone announces that there's a Flatpak of a thing, you don't find us going, hey, you should make a Snap. Yet the opposite is not the case. Like some company will announce that there's a snap of this thing and you will always see people in the comments underneath, hey, you should make a flat pack. Hey, why don't you make an app image? Hey, why is app image not more popular? Right? And that is not the right way to approach developers. Okay. How would you feel if cash went away? And I've got an ancillary question that we'll get to. Um, Dan, how would you feel if there was no cash anymore? So good. So good. You know how much it sucks when I'm like, oh, this looks like a really cool place to whatever thing they're trying to sell me. And then you go in and they're like, we're cash only. And then I walk out because I do not carry cash. That answers my next question. How much cash do you usually carry? Why would I have any paper money in my possession? It is so inconvenient. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Probably do carry cash. Um, I think I have 20 quid on me at the moment, but that's because I was in London yesterday and we often walk down to Borough Market for lunch where there's lots of food trucks uh, and little places that sell uh, food made to order. And for a long time, a lot of them would only carry, would only take cash. And um, I took some cash out yesterday and then walked along the line of all these little food trucks and they all take swipe and they've all got like contactless and stuff now. So it's less of a problem. I do have to get cash out every so often for my son because he needs some for the... Um, 
the shop at school, but uh, and paying my daughter's dance teacher, we have to pay cash. <laughs> oh yeah. But other than that, no, there's not very many things. Oh, I had to had to get some cash out for um, paying some guys to fix a fence recently, like you know manual work that often requires cash. But for the vast majority of the time, I. I, I leave the house without any cash and often without my wallet, and I just use my phone to pay for everything. Yeah. So how would you feel if cash went away? You wouldn't be bothered? I would be a little bit bothered uh, because not for myself, but more on behalf of other people who rely on it because not everyone has the ability to have contactless and not everyone – some people live hand-to-mouth and often it's cash-based transactions and they, they just don't have the opportunity to do everything contactless like we do. So I I feel bad, not for myself, but I, I think it still should be a thing. But I can imagine in a dystopian uh, Terminator-style future where there are people begging on the street for cash because that's the only, you know, the only thing, or begging on the street for contactless cards, rather, to <laughs> to be able to pay for some food because nowhere takes cash anymore. Yeah. Well, that's the whole point. It is a dystopia to me if you've got no cash. Um, because... You know, what about the whole Stallman thing about um, if you buy things for cash, then no one can track you. Whereas if you pay for everything with your card, then there's this whole electronic paper trail mm. showing exactly what you've bought. And you can be profiled and that data is going to get leaked at some point or stolen. Whereas if you just always use cash, then there is no data. Yeah, part of me worries about that. And then part of me thinks I'm only on this planet for 80 years and... After I'm dead, I don't really care if my data leaks because, like, who gives a shit if anyone found out that I spent an alarming amount of money on red wine at the co-op? Like, it's it's not going to matter. I know it's horrible and counter to everything I've ever said, but I totally sign up for rewards programs to get discounts on things. Yeah, whereas I don't. I don't. I just. I'm just quite a private person generally, um, and I just like to be able to buy things for cash when I want to. Most of the time, I use contactless because it's just far quicker. But I don't know, just being able to do that. Like, if you want to do anything dodgy, then, you know, like, there's plenty of things that cash will buy you. I don't think we need to go into it. But not that I do any of that anymore. But just having that option is nice that I can interact with people financially without anyone else knowing. Isn't that what Bitcoin's for? Well, not really, because Bitcoin is not even properly anonymous unless unless you mine it, I suppose, and then only spend Bitcoin. But the second it comes out of the Bitcoin system into fiat currency, then suddenly you can track it all the way back through the blockchain and everything. So it's not really anonymous. You remind me of my mate Dave, who uh, when we went out for curry and I paid for my part of the bill using contactless. And he, his face, as he looked across the table at me, he's like, what the fuck are you doing, Alan? Why are you, why are you letting the man know? And I'm like, dude, I'm buying a curry. Oh, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm going to be a complete zealot about it. And as I said, I um, most of the time use contactless. But I just, I, I wouldn't want cash to go away. I just wouldn't want that option to go away is the, the key thing here. Not that I use it very much, but... Just knowing that I can use it is what's important. Right. Right. Thoughts on meditation and mindfulness. Is it the best thing ever and should we all be doing it? Or is it complete fucking bullshit? It sounds super hokey 
and it totally feels like a waste of time when you're doing it. But I absolutely 100% believe that taking just like a solid one to two minutes to just sit in silence, not say anything is really nice. And then also uh, doing the thing of being like, I'm going to have a really great day today. I believe in myself. I feel very confident that I can accomplish my goals. Like it sounds really dumb, yes. but when you do it, you actually feel good. It's like a weird psychological body mind hack thing. Like it sounds stupid. <laughs> it sounds so dumb. But if you actually try it, it totally works. I have great difficulty with this. I mean, I, I'm willing to believe that sitting down and emptying your mind and getting into a comfortable position just for a few minutes and just stopping thinking about stuff. I can, I can see how that might make me feel better. Um, and I'm pretty confident that when I lay down and I do nothing, uh, I, I tend to fall asleep. Like I, I, <laughs> I, I sometimes do this at my desk. Uh, it's not unheard of for me to just, zone out for a bit at my desk and just yeah put my head back i've got quite a comfy chair and i don't think i intentionally try and empty my mind but i do close my eyes and that is a good facilitator to emptying my mind but no i'm very averse to the you're an awesome person alan in front of the mirror no i i would not do that i feel i feel like there's a hidden camera show in that where people would be recording me and they go, ha, look at this twat in front of the mirror, giving himself self-affirming sentences. What an idiot. Do you actually say that shit to yourself, Dan? I feel like um, <laughs> if you're feeling really anxious about something or having a really hard time with something, like that, that's when, for me, it feels helpful, where it's like something feels overwhelming or I'm having a lot of trouble with it, and so I'll sit down and say, hey, you know, I got this. I can do this. This isn't that hard. I'm going to break this down into small chunks. And I know that if I do each thing one at a time, that by the end of the day, I'll have accomplished a lot of things. And and I think that that's a good way to deal with like feelings of being overwhelmed and things like that. But it, if you don't need it and if it's not helping you, like obviously don't do it. But I think it, I think it's a totally good and valid way to help make you feel better about the things that you have to do. You just said you like break tasks down. In, like, that's just a common sense way to uh, compartmentalize your day and reduce large, seemingly uh, difficult to do tasks down into reasonable bite-sized chunks that you can have a sense of accomplishment when you achieve each one, right? And that makes total sense to me. But actually saying out loud to myself, I'm going to break this task down. Woohoo! I've got 10 <laughs> small tasks now. I, 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 feel yeah i would feel weird doing that do you find it useful dan when you're being bullied by two middle-aged english blokes on a podcast <laughs> no not right now no <laughs> after the show i'll sit there and be like i i'm a good podcaster <laughs> <laughs> i can do a show and have a good time it feels very californian and i appreciate that it i think it's a a bit of a cultural difference i mean it sounds like woo uh you know I, it wouldn't surprise me if next time we record this show and Joe asks, hey, are healing crystals really a thing? And you're like, yeah, I've been using them no, for years. No, come on. No. <laughs> that's totally different. It's a totally different thing. Okay, that's different. Okay. Yeah. That's not a life hack. No. <laughs> that's a wallet hack. 
<laughs> what about Organite? What? Oh, never mind. That's one of those bullshit things. The, it just, my instinct is that meditation and mindfulness is just up there with crystals and organite and other bullshit. Well, it's free though. So who does it benefit besides yourself? Like you can see the scam in like, oh, you want to trick somebody into thinking crystals are things so you can get some money from them. But like, what benefit is there to tricking someone into like being quiet for a minute? I don't know. I know a lot of people who I'd like to. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. There, there are some people who I would really appreciate if I could trick them into being quiet for a minute. But if if they're in their own home and you're not interacting with them in any way, you don't get to see it. You don't even know if they actually did it. Like, what's the benefit of tricking them into doing it? Not really anything. Well, that's the cynical way to look at it. The other way is that whoever is pushing this stuff actually believes it's the real thing and it's just all a placebo effect, all kind of psychosomatic or whatever. I think that's the point, is that it is a placebo. Right. I see. It just seems like it'd be really fucking boring and my time would be spent better actually doing something useful rather than sitting there in silence. It's two minutes of your life, Joe. Like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm turning now and I'm thinking of, you know, actually two minutes is not a huge length of time to just be sat still and just not do anything, not have my phone out in front of me, not have the telly on, not have the radio on, but just sit on the sofa and just breathe and not do anything. But I find that incredibly hard to, like, empty my head. Yeah, but it's not about two minutes. I mean, Dan's talking about two minutes here, but if you do this thing properly, then there's people who do it for 10 days all day long, literally just sit there doing nothing. What, monks? Um, well, originally, yes, but it tends to be kind of rich tech people who can afford to piss off for 10 days and not work. Right, so like Bizstone and uh, what's-his-face who run Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like they're just wankers, really. <laughs> yeah, that that's a complete waste of time. If you if you want to go on a vacation, like take a hike, you don't need to sit there and do absolutely nothing for an extended period of time like that. That makes no sense. Yeah, have a nice walk around in the mountains or whatever, yeah. Right. And reflect on things, but you don't have to I don't know the idea, my understanding at least of meditation is that you clear your mind and just think of nothing. I mean, I would just end up thinking of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, and he'd probably come and kill me. But like, it's it is very hard to think of nothing because your mind just drifts to stuff. And I, I just I can't see that any benefit that would come from it would be worth the effort of doing it. Maybe I'm just incredibly lazy, but I don't know. I'd rather just sit and look at Twitter for five minutes than sit doing fuck all. It's quite a jump to say. I'm too lazy to sit still and do nothing. That's, that's, that's quite, do you not feel like that's quite a bizarre set of words to put in a sentence? No, because it is an effort. You do have to concentrate. And physically, it may not be much of an effort, but then none of our jobs physically is an effort. You know, if you're having a really hard day at work, any of us, then it's kind of brain dollars that you're spending, not, you know, physical labor. And, and it's that kind of laziness, the, the laziness that stops you writing that report or whatever mm. that stops me doing meditation. Interesting. I think I think for homework, you you and I should try it. I think we should before before the next before the next user error. Um, I mean, I've got a seven hour flight to Canada and back, so I've got plenty of opportunity to sit and do nothing because I've got nothing to do while I'm sat on a plane for one week. Take one minute of absolute silence and 
not even a full minute, 30 seconds of affirmations, and then tell me if it's complete bullshit afterwards. <laughs> oh, hang on. No, I'm, I'm willing to get on board with the sitting in silence, but the affirmations talking up myself. Don't even do it out loud. Just do it in your head about whatever it is that you're you're struggling with. Like That's the point is to pick something you're struggling with and then just affirm yourself that you can take care of it for 30 seconds. You just don't know what English people are like, do you? We can't do that. Yeah, I, I, I am embarrassed now thinking what I will look like <laughs> while I'm sat on the sofa saying to myself, not out loud, but saying to myself, you're going to do really well in that presentation tomorrow. You're, you're going you're gonna to knock it out of the park uh, tomorrow. Like, while I think of myself sitting there, I'm cringing. It's horrible. Okay, last one then. What do you do when you see someone you know making an obvious mistake, but you don't want to be a dick about it? What did I do, Joe? What, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you might see your friend has uh, met a new partner and they're just obviously terrible for them and you just can't say anything because you don't want to be a dick about it. Or someone, you know, is looking to change jobs and it's just an obviously bad career move but you just have to be supportive of them i don't know like do you ever just bite the bullet and say to them no what you're doing is wrong do this instead i feel like my usual mo is to have zero social awareness and make an ass of myself that's my mo as well generally and i, I don't know, i just tend to be quite brutally honest with people i think and it gets me in trouble quite often it seems like if you actually care about a person, right? Like if, if it's someone that you're like, ah, it's just my coworker, whatever his name is that I don't really care about, then it'd be like, yeah, man, great. Do the thing you do. But if it's someone that you actually care about, then it kind of seems like irresponsible or there's something wrong to me about not looking out for other people. I don't know. We've got this going on in my family that, one member of the family is is uh, was dating someone who everyone else in the family thinks is a dick, and the relationship has moved on, and they're living together, and you know, doing the usual family things, and it's really difficult because they're quite young, and you you know, you want to say, oh, I made those mistakes when I was your age. I went out with someone who was a gigantic penis, and uh, I learned from it, and you know. You speak to some people who are like, you've got to tell them. You you, can't, you you have to tell them because they're making a massive mistake and they're wasting chunks of their life and they may be wasting money, investing like time and money and effort into this other person in this relationship. But then the flip side is everyone's got to live their own life and you can't, you, know, you can't tell someone who to fall in love with and you can't, it's really hard to get inside someone's head because they think you're doing it for nefarious purposes they think you're trying to turn them against their own love interest and it, it's really hard to do at, at that level if someone's just being a dick online and saying something that you think's out of place yeah i'll totally tell them but i'll do it in private i wouldn't i wouldn't do it to their face like you joe did to me in a pub and really upset me that's fine did i <laughs> <laughs> so there was this guy on um on twitter who i don't know at all and he said something and i thought that's wrong. That information is not correct. And I thought I could reply to this guy, but it would make him look like a dick because I had data on my side that proved that the information he had and that he was 
espousing that data was just wrong and so i actually looked him up and found him on irc and i pm'd him and said hey you know this tweet you you put out i I have some concerns about it and i showed him my data and said um you know i'm not gonna out you publicly about this but you're wrong and here's the reason why you're wrong now this is where i suffer from xkcd386 but this guy was patently wrong on the internet i didn't want people just perpetuating that position and that information because it was wrong so i messaged him and he was like oh oh all right okay i got different data and he followed up that tweet with another one that like said oh i've now discovered that this is incorrect information and here's more accurate information and i felt good i felt like i'd done something there but equally people from his perspective he might think who's this random fucker who's contacting me on irc <laughs> telling me i'm wrong in one of my tweets so it could have gone either way really did I really say something to you in the pub, or were you just taking the piss? Yeah, you did, yeah. Yeah. Stuck with me. You know how sometimes things people say to you in the past, there are some things, I can't, I can't remember what, but there's some things I do on an almost daily basis, some like, just like regular, like home care thing or personal care thing that I do, and almost every time I do it, I am reminded of a conversation that I had like 35 years ago with someone, and I hate my brain because it will not let me forget that every single time. To get back on topic, I feel like when it's especially like something that's personal to someone and you really don't want to hurt them, that instead of, you you really feel like you have to say something, but you don't want to hurt somebody by telling them something. I think the best approach is ask them a question. And I've had friends ask me questions like, do you feel like, your life is happier with this person. And I think that that's a lot better than them saying, I don't want you to be with this person, but it's more of like, I want you to think about it. And if you're happier being with this person, then that's great. But I just want you to actually think about, are you really happier with this person? Do you think that you're going to be necessarily happier if you quit your job and go on a two-month silent retreat? Or are you going to be happier if you stay at your job and can pay your mortgage? Isn't that just a passive-aggressive way of telling them straight, though? Maybe. It depends on phrasing, I think. But I I think that um, if you're coming from the perspective of being a friend that really cares about someone, that having more of a conversation about are you asking these questions is a better way to be non-confrontational than kind of asserting that, hey, I am right about this thing and you are wrong and I know better about your life than you do. (laughs) 